You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. Tonight, or teach on the thought. Better settle down, huh? No, I'm just kidding. But I'll teach on the thought. Jesus is all I need. Jesus is all I need. And we're going to be looking for our text is going to be verses 9 and 10 primarily, but I do want to read some of the other verses that are leading up to Colossians 9 and 10. But to start with, let's start by reading Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 and 10, where the Bible says, For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality and power. And I want to emphasize these two verses again. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the blessing to be able to be here tonight. Please help us tonight. We look to you. God, I need your anointing. I pray the sweet spirit of God would work upon hearts. You know everyone here tonight. God, and I pray, God, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, dear Lord, that uh, they would know you before this night is over and help us as your people, God, just to draw closer to you tonight. And we'll thank you, dear God, and praise you for what you do. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, in the book of Colossians, it's amazing how early, as we've noted already, how early, if you study and read the epistles in the New Testament, I don't know about you, but I, it was almost shocking to me how quickly false teaching began to come into the church. I mean, Satan wasted no time whatsoever trying to get false teaching in the church. And might I add this, that it is false teaching that I believe, number one, it leads people astray religiously, but it also turns people away religiously. One of the biggest turnoffs for people that aren't saved is religion, and, and for good cause. I've often said that if, I, if my experience with church and, and God had been what some other people's would be, well, I would probably feel about the same way about God and church that they do. So I think that's one reason that we can show some mercy toward them. But boy, you ever talk, try to talk to a person, a religious person, especially a devout religious person, uh, about Christ and about their need for the Lord? That's not, the, that's not very easy, is it? Because uh, they normally think they're okay because they've got their religion. And, uh, but so right away, this false teaching began to come into the church. And of course, that is one of the great issues with the church at Colossae. One of the great things is, is that the church at Colossians, for the most part, they were doing great. And they were, they were hanging in there. They were serving the Lord. They were staying faithful. But there were some false teachers that began to make their way in. And two things that they really attack. Number one is Christ's person. In other words, who Jesus is. You know, the Bible says, as we've noted earlier, as we went through these verses, we noted how that they attacked who Jesus is. And in 2 Corinthians, we read the passage where the Bible talks about warning about believing in another Christ and another gospel and another spirit. Um, in other words, it doesn't mean that there's many Christ or many, uh, many true Christ or many gospels or many, but there's one true Christ. There's one true gospel. There's one true spirit, but there's, but Satan, <laughs> the thing about the devil is he's not original. He's a mimicker. Uh, he is a copier and he's a perverter. He takes what God's already done and he tries to mimic 
that. If you remember, a good example is when uh, the Lord told Moses when he stood before Pharaoh. Remember the first thing he said? Well, what if people don't believe me? He said, what, what if Pharaoh doesn't believe me? What did God tell him to do? Throw your staff down. And what happened to that staff? It turned into a snake. It turned into a serpent. Well, what did Janus and Jamboree's do? Uh, Pharaoh's magicians. Remember what they did? They threw their staffs down and they turned into snakes. Now, the difference was that, that then the true snake that, of God actually swallowed up that of Janus and Jamboree's. And, and that's how it is. If, if you are willing tonight, if you are willing to know and believe the truth, if you are willing to know and believe the truth, folks, I'm telling you, you can know the truth. And the Bible says the truth will make you free. And so there's uh, truth out there, but then there's also plenty of lies. In Him dwelleth all the fullness uh, of the Godhead bodily. Notice what the Bible says in chapter 1, verse number 19. Chapter 1, verse 19, so just over a little bit. The Bible says, For it pleased the Father that in Him should all fullness dwell. The word fullness there is pleroma, is the, is the Greek word for fullness. But it just basically means the sum total of all that God is, all of His being, and all of His attributes. So within the person of Jesus Christ, we see God. We see the sum total of all that God is, all of His being, all that His attributes. Now, the false teachers that they were dealing with here in the book of Colossians, they uh, would use that same word fullness, but they applied it in a different way, which again is a great, great lesson to me. You mark this down. The devil likes to use the same vocabulary. False doctrine will often use the same vocabulary that we use. But you really need to understand what dictionary are they using. Because they'll use the same terminology, but then you ask, well, wait a second, what do you mean by that? Uh, you know, a classic example that I mentioned was for being saved by grace through faith. I learned years ago that Seventh-day Adventist uh, was, actually, was actually built by a woman by the name of Ellen White and her prophecies. And, but one of the things that she said was, well, was that she believed in salvation by grace through faith. Well, that's a big box to check off, isn't it? You know, if you're, if you're trying to determine whether a church is true or not, do you believe in salvation by grace through faith or not? And she says, oh, yes, of course we do. But same terminology, same vocabulary, different dictionary. By grace through faith means grace is the unmerited favor of God. Grace is God's riches at Christ's expense. Grace is all what God did. And we just basically, we put our faith, all of our trust in what He did by grace through faith. Their definition is that God will give you grace to be able to keep the law so that you can be saved by your works, basically. That's a different definition, isn't it? So just because somebody uses the same vocabulary, don't just say, oh, well, they must be wonderful. No, you need to make sure, what do they mean? What, 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 what dictionary are they using, so to speak? Are they using the Bible to define their words? Now... When the Colossians, they taught a thing about God that, that God wouldn't really come down in physical form because they thought that any physical form was wicked. Uh, so therefore, they did, not, they did not believe that Jesus Christ was God come in the flesh. They did not believe that He was, as the Bible said, Emmanuel, God with us. 
They said they believed in Christ. They just didn't believe that Christ was who he claimed to be. And there's a lot of people that do that today. And we'll say more about that in a moment. But again, Matthew chapter 1, verse 23. The Bible says, what, what will Jesus' name be called? But Emmanuel, God with us. Look over again at Colossians chapter 1. Look at verses 15 and 17. 15 through 17. The Bible says, Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of every creature? For by Him, we're talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by Him and for, uh, for Him, and He's before all things, and by Him all things consist. Which is to say, He is the Creator. The Gospel of John, chapter number 1, and I won't share all the verses, the many dozens of verses that show the deity of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I'll just share a few with you tonight just to say that Jesus is indeed God in the flesh. This is one we quote quite often, In the beginning was the Word, John chapter 1, verse 1. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. And you get down to verse number 14, and the Bible says, And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld the glory of the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And the word there, how, does God, how do we communicate? We communicate with words. God has given us the written word to communicate in that way, but when God had a message for mankind, He sent the Lord Jesus Christ, and again, God in the flesh. And, and again, there's one God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, but within the body of the Lord Jesus Christ dwells all the fullness of God. And obviously, this is, a, this is something we could spend much time on. And I encourage you, uh, as always, to study this uh, in, more in depth for yourself. But Jesus Christ, folks, is God in the flesh. He's God Almighty. And uh, so, Jesus Christ is the fullness of God, and the fullness dwells continually and permanently uh, in Him bodily. And that's the thing that these false teachers of this time uh, denied. When Jesus Christ ascended to heaven, he went in a human body. It was a glorified human body, but he was still in a human body. After his resurrection, our Lord was careful to assure his disciples that he was the same person in the same body. He was not ghost. He was not spirit. There is a, there is a glorified man in heaven, the God-man, the Lord Jesus Christ, who embodies the fullness of God. He said, well, I don't understand all that. Well, I, again, I encourage you to study it, and I, and I believe me, I'd be, I'd be happy to sit with you and uh, you know, study it with you as well. But the bottom line is, uh, it is uh, it's the truth. Amen. So, number one, the false teachers attacked Christ's person. And number two, they attacked Christ's position. They attacked Christ's position. I may get to this in just a moment. It's not at this place in my notes, but I was just thinking how that these people did not just come in and say, hey, we need to quit this Jesus Christ business and we got to go a whole nother way because they knew people wouldn't buy that. 
So they said, oh no, we want to keep preaching and teaching Christ, but they tried to change who he was. But in doing so, they basically tried to take him out of his rightful spot. So there's an attack on Christ's person, and let me tell you something, there still is today. There's still an attack on who Jesus is, and this really goes to the next point, an attack on his position. Now, go back with me to chapter 2, and I just want to read this entire paragraph, going back to verse number 4. Going back to verse number 4, the Bible says, And this I say, lest any man should beguile you with enticing words. For though I be absent in the flesh, yet I am with you in the Spirit, joying and beholding your order and the steadfastness of your faith in Christ. As ye have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith as ye have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Beware, lest any man spoil you. And again, the idea there is of being robbed uh, through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. For in Him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and ye are complete in Him, which is the head of all principality. So beginning in verse number 4, basically what we see here is that Jesus Christ is the answer to drifting. Jesus Christ is the answer to drifting into false doctrine. And false doctrine goes along really with uh, false living, if you will. Jesus Christ is the answer. In fact, if you'll just allow me for a moment, turn back over with me with, to the book of Colossians chapter 1, and I'm just going to pick out a few verses, okay? Uh, just a few verses, uh, and just shortly I want to show you how Jesus is the key to all this. Notice what the Bible says in Colossians 1.14, and I'm just going to start right there. The Bible says, in whom we have redemption through his blood. Um, that in whom is Jesus. Now, look at verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God? That's Jesus Christ. Verse 16, for by him were all things created. That's Jesus Christ. Verse 17, he is before all things. Uh, verse 18, and he is the head of the body. The last part of verse 18 says, all things he might have the preeminence. In verse 19, in him. In verse 20, his cross, by Him. Verse 21, hath He reconciled. Verse 22, His flesh. Verse 20, uh, that was verse 21. Verse 20, no, that's verse 22. Verse 22 also, in His sight. Verse 27, Christ in you. Verse 28, whom we preach. The last part of verse 28, in Christ Jesus. And if you look again, starting in verse number uh, 6, the Bible says, walk ye in Him. Verse 7 of chapter 2, built up in Him. Verse 9, for in Him. Verse 10, complete in Him. Verse 11, in whom also ye are circumcised. Verse 12, buried with Him, raised with Him. Uh, and, and on and on I could go. The, the, the bottom line, I'm just trying to tell you that Jesus Christ is the answer to false doctrine. He is the answer to false doctrine. He's the answer also to, you know, false doctrine and the way it affects your life personally. See, Jesus Christ is the answer, but isn't this an interesting thing? How many of you know that Jesus is the answer to false doctrine? He's the answer to everything you need, but let me tell you something else. He's also the excuse. 
Because as we've said already, these Colossian false teachers did not say, Oh, no, no, we don't want nothing to do with Jesus. They had their Jesus. They had a Jesus that they were presenting that's not the Jesus that's represented in the Bible. Not the same Jesus, okay? And this is important to understand. Why? Because Jesus is the answer, but at the same time, He's the excuse. He's the excuse. You know, we were dealing with the false doctrine. We were dealing with, like, with the emerging church stuff and those that, that their excuse for embracing all kinds of sin and, and the sin of our society that we deal with today, their excuse for all that? Well, after all, Jesus was so loving. Therefore, we should never speak anything ill of sin or, or anything like that. We should embrace all sorts of sin. Because after all, Jesus, do you see what I'm saying? Jesus is their excuse. Then on the other side, you've got those that are more legalistic, and Jesus is their excuse. Well, after all Jesus did for us, we need to be, you know, da, 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 da. and you've got to do it this way and that way. Now, here's the question. How in the world, if Jesus is the answer, how are we going to make sure we've got the right answer? How are we going to make sure that the, that the Jesus that we know is the Jesus that's of the Bible? And I'm asking you. Yeah, study. Know your Bible. You've got to know your Bible. I'm telling you, you know, it, it reminds me, um, I, I think about, for instance, I'll throw this out here for parents, grandparents, and everything. It reminds me of, a, of about a year ago, some of the things I learned about how sexual predators work and how, how, how overtime these people work. How that, uh, you know, one of the things that come to mind in particular was on video games. Uh, you know, that are connected to the World Wide Web. You're, you're playing with all kinds, you're playing live with a bunch of different people or whatever the case may be. And there's, there's uh, constant, I can't remember the percentage of time or the percentage of people that are reaching out to you. Some of them are just kids. But there's some of them that are just fronting as kids that are trying to build a relationship with somebody. And so that's one of the reasons why, whether it be social media, whether it be gaming, whatever it is, it's really good to have some kind of understanding and have some rules in place. Uh, but, but it was amazing to me the percentage. I wish I would have uh, had the percentage since I'm here talking about it. But all I'm trying to say is that, I mean, it was like hundreds of thousands uh, during the, the, the course of a day that they're making efforts to reach out and just develop a relationship with some young person to draw them out and hopefully perhaps get them involved in sex trafficking or, uh, you know, however the case may be, send them, some, send them some photographs, but first they'll, you know, get catfished, if you want to call it that. It's, a, it's, it's, it's insane. You know, Richard uh, has worked for years in the cybersecurity world, and if he could just tell you, he could probably share some numbers with you today that would just blow your mind on the, the effort and the constant attacks that are coming uh, against trying to get to your security and your personal information and things of that nature. I'm saying all that to say that that's nothing compared to how Satan's working. Do you think these people are smarter than Satan? Do you think these people are more determined than Satan because they're not? You've got to be careful. Just because somebody, uh, just somebody sings a beautiful song, it doesn't mean, is, is that song doctrinally sound? Just because somebody uh, preaches what feels like a really feel-good message, maybe writes a good book, maybe has a good blog, maybe has a good podcast, uh, whatever the case may be. Oh man, they talk about Jesus all the time. But if you're not in your Bible, you're not going to be able to answer which one. Which one? Because for these people today that are embracing all kinds of sin, and remember the thing, when we're talking about sin, we're not trying to be judgmental toward people, are we? 
Because we're a group of people that loves people. And when we preach and stand against the sin that God stands against, the reason God's against sin is that sin's destructive. Sin is not people's friends. That's why God does not embrace sin. He embraces sinners, but not sin. Uh, and, and it's the same, that, that's the way that we ought to be as well. We ought to love sinners, but that does, we would be foolish. You know, again, I, I compared it not long ago to a, to a cancer doctor. I, I want a loving, a loving cancer doctor. My wife and I were talking just the other day. We were at a doctor, a neurologist, um, not an oncologist, but a neurologist. And uh, Melanie's neurologist had just, just wonderful bedside manner. Uh, her doctor, just a, just a sweet lady. You just enjoy uh, visiting with her. Uh, well, that's nice, isn't it? But so, so we all want doctors like that. But what if we had a doctor like that, but also, I'll just go back to oncology, and that we're talking about cancer, and they were so sweet and nice, they never wanted to say nothing bad about cancer, you know. I mean, wouldn't that be silly? Wouldn't that be ridiculous? Matter of fact, I think most people get into oncology because they hate it, and they want to try to find every way they can to treat or, you know, uh, eliminate it in whatever way they can. Just the simple illustration I'm trying to make is just as foolish as it is to think I want a nice oncologist that loves cancer. I just feel so loved when I'm there. Okay, they can be loving, they can be caring toward me, but I want an oncologist that hates my cancer and wants to do everything they can to eliminate it. All right? And it's the same way when it comes to the preaching of the Word of God. Listen, if you're listening to a preacher, if you're following someone, you need to find somebody that don't love sin. Amen. Uh, because, I mean, somebody says they love sin, but they say it's loving you, man. They don't love you very much if they're not willing to help you and see the Lord. The Bible says He shall save His people from their sins, and that's what He wants to do. He wants to release you from the bondage. The point I'm just simply trying to make is people use a Jesus. But you get in the Word of God. It's one of the reasons we must be in the Bible and we get to know the God of the Bible, which is the Lord Jesus Christ. It's attack on Christ's position. So, uh, an attack on Christ's person we mentioned also, but also a, uh, an attack on His position. The key is preeminence. Go back with me to chapter 1, verse 18. Chapter 1, verse 18. This is one of the keys, really. Verse 18 of chapter 1. And He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. And remember, firstborn there is firstborn. That that's, speaks of position, not of, uh, not of birth as it may, we may relate to it. But it says, firstborn from the dead, that in all things He might have the preeminence. The preeminence. Now, that's, that's, that's a small little prefix there, pre. But there's a big difference between eminence and preeminence. Jesus has eminence in many religions, in many churches, in many lives, might I add. But Jesus doesn't just want to be eminent. Jesus is to be preeminent. That means He's before all. He's number one. And you can see also how that would uh, relate to our lives practically. If you're saved, I dare say Jesus is imminent in your life. Jesus has a very important place in your life if you're saved. I dare say that. But does He have the preeminence of your life? Is He number one? Is what He loves what you love? Is what He wants, His will, is that what you desire more than your own will? You know, does he have the eminence in your life or the preeminence? But it's important practically speaking, but it's also important, important <clears throat> doctrinally speaking. 
The argument that the Apostle Paul is just simply trying to make here is why would you follow empty philosophy when we have all fullness in the Lord Jesus Christ? Imagine turning away from the satisfying river of life to drink from an old dirty cup. That's what people do, you know. It's sad. I'm talking about God's people do this stuff. The Lord wants us, He says, man, I, I want you to drink from the, from, from the wells of water that I'm going to provide. I've got a river that I want you to drink up. Fresh, I mean, soul satisfying. And as God's people, man, we turn around and just want to go drink out of some dirty cup somewhere or some mud puddle. It's ridiculous. <laughs> and it does, it reminds me again, of, especially when, when we think about dabbling in sin. You know, it, it happens with the, with, the, with the teenagers and the young folks. It happens with the old folks alike. Because the devil knows how to make a mud puddle look really good. Because if the sun hits it just right and the light hits right off of it, you can't tell it's a mud puddle because it's gleaming and it looks pretty decent. But if you take a closer look, man, it's nasty and there's stuff swimming around in there. But you're looking at it and being like, ooh, fornication, I want that. Well, of course you do. I mean, because God's put a desire in your heart if you're a male or a female. God, let me tell you something. God is the one that puts sexual desire within men and women. And He did not do that just so that we could procreate or have babies. If, uh, that's not what He did that for. He did it for our pleasure. And God's got a plan for that. God's got a plan for your life. And yes, that is one man, one woman, one lifetime within the bonds of marriage. That's a part of the river that God wants for you. But see, Satan tries to show you this mud puddle of fornication over here. He tries to show you this mud puddle of pornography over here. Amen. He knows how to make it look good. But there's a lot that's hidden in there. There's a lot of nasty stuff in there that'll make you sick. See, Satan tries to tell you, oh yeah, just live it up, give it away, whatever it is. But what you do is you give a little piece of yourself away every single time. And God is saying, man, God has a better plan than all that. See, Satan has a mud puddle. God has a river. Amen? Because let me tell you something. Man, it is wonderful to be able to marry the person that God wants you to marry. And I believe God has somebody out there for you to marry. And I'm thankful that mine was pretty. Yours might not be pretty. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> but God will help you love her anyway, bless you. I'm just teasing. That don't matter, does it? Uh, but I'm glad mine is. But I'm telling you, my woman is such a woman. My girl is such a girl that honestly, she's so awesome in every other way. She could, she could bear to be ugly and she'd still be incredible, really. Uh, I mean, and again, I know we're just talking. I hope you understand what I'm saying here in the, in the sense of humor. But I'm telling you, God within marriage, amen, the, the, the security, the love, the peace. I mean, that God, the intimacy that God has within the bonds in marriage when it comes to intimacy, man, it's, 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 it's awesome. It's awesome. But see, Satan tries to give you a counterfeit. All I'm trying to say, I could have used a hundred things, and some of you are saying, why didn't you use one of them? But uh, I use that one, okay? Just as an example, this mud puddle over here. I mean, it's, it's that way we could go with church. We could go with Bible reading. Oh, God, I know I'm supposed to read the Bible. You fool. Sorry, did I say that? We're fools. We can be foolish. God is saying, son, I got something for you here. It's a treasure. 
It's an it's no no it's greater than gold and rubies. Here it is. Oh Lord. Guess I better listen to it today. Guess I better read it today. Some of you don't struggle with that, and I'm glad you don't. But man, there's some of us that do. And it's it's stupid. I don't know why we do, but we do. Get in the Word of God. We could go on and on. The point I'm just simply trying to make is that God has a... Why, why would we fall in empty philosophy? Why would we fall into sin? Why would we fall into legalism? See, legalism sounds good. The pharisaical ways sound good. We can be proud when we're Pharisees. One of the good things about... Uh, listen, one of the good things about... Uh, if you want to say living by law and living by rules... Not that we don't have rules, but you understand what I'm saying. We have rules that we, we live... But we live by grace. We live by the grace of God, which, by the way, should take us further than the law does. But here's the thing about living by these rules. And some of us have lived these lives. You basically get a pretty big box that, of, of things that you can check off, usually external things, because you can be bitter, and you can be prideful, but as long as you're dressed right, it's, you're okay, all right? Uh, as long as you're dressed right and carrying the King James Bible, you're good. Uh, but, but you check these boxes off, and when you want to know what happens, once you check it off, you got it. Then you get to sit on the Sanhedrin of the church, of the local church. Then you get to judge those that aren't checking all those boxes off. Well, that's kind of nice. Feels pretty good. Now, I'm not one of the people getting picked on. I'm not one of the people that, yeah, get them, preacher, you know. Now, I get to be, I'm one of the ones that have arrived. Some of you have no idea what I'm talking about, and I'm glad you don't. And by God's grace, you never will, okay? But some of us do what that's... But why would we take that instead of, instead of growing in grace with Christ? Why would we take that instead of the peace and love that comes with the Lord Jesus Christ? You know what the Bible says in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 2, verse 13? For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewed them out cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. The title of the message tonight, which I hadn't got to that great, is, man, Jesus is all I need. He said, man, you've forsaken the fountain of living waters, but you've taken, then you've made yourself cisterns, broken cisterns. They don't hold water. There's no real satisfaction there. Do you know that breaks God's heart? Because one thing that you've got to know here, when we, when we talk about, you know, living right, you know, pleasing God, whatever the case may be, somebody said it this way. When we break God's law, it's not so much about breaking the law, it's about breaking God's heart. Because you look at that verse and it expresses something there. God wants the best for you. God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you to live the abundant life. He wants you to have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And some of you know what that is. Again, because here's what we think. Oh, I can't do this because, you know, we think that God's keeping good stuff from us. When there's the things that we know as Christians and God's people we ought not to do. He's not keeping anything good from us. He's trying to get us to the good stuff. But there's way too many people that are saved that have hewn out, they've hewn themselves out their own broken cisterns that don't hold water. And as a result of that, they are not getting the satisfaction that God would have them to have. Again, the false teachers of Colossae, just like today, did not ask the believers to forsake Christ. They asked them to make Christ a part of the new system, 
but this would only remove him from his rightful place of preeminence. So Paul gave the true lasting antidote to all false teaching, and that is fullness in Christ. Again, verse number 10, And ye are complete in him. He's the head of the body. See, Christ, in Christ dwells all fullness, but when he dwells in you, you'll be full. Have you ever been full? You ever been stuffed? Uh, I mean, you know, have you ever eaten something you're like, man, I can't have another bite? Well, that's how we ought to be with Jesus. Amen? I just can't take another bite. Somebody says, you know, I, you know we could go through so many things. Let's think about it, though. Well, you know, we were using the thing of legalism a moment, moment ago. You know, w- wouldn't you like to have this? Wouldn't you like to go back into that so you could be prideful and be able to, you know, li- be able to li- live this kindergarten life where you're checking all the boxes and you got the schoolmaster with you all the time? Wouldn't you like to have that security? No, no, I'm way too full of Jesus for that. No, I couldn't have another bite of that. I mean, I mean the world offers sin to you. Man, are you serious? I'm too full on Jesus. I don't need that. See, he's it. I mean, Jesus Christ, man, He is it. I mean, He satisfies. He's all I need. Whether it's sin, whether it's self-righteousness, I'm good. I'm full. I've got everything I need in Him. And whether you realize it or not, we all do. We've just got to realize it. We've got to grow in our relationship to Him. And I'm going to have to bring this to a close, but I'll, I'll try to give you these points real quickly that I was going to give you, then maybe follow back up on them. Uh, when I get back. But number one, salvation. Jesus is all I need in salvation. The Bible says, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. I'll have to talk about that at a later time. There was a survey of, uh, I believe it was millennials, as well as this next generation coming up, and they believed many things about God and the Bible. And they they did, this was an evangelical study. They studied churches. But one of the things there was a super low percentage on was believing that Jesus is the only way. It was really interesting. They believed Jesus Christ died, rose again. They believed in heaven. They believed in hell. But there was a low percentage that believed that Jesus is the only way. But we'll have to talk more about that later. Paul in Colossians is making this point. Not only is Jesus enough for salvation, and, and let me just, I gotta say, I can't, I can't go too fast on salvation because I'm telling you, I'm glad it's not up to me. I'm glad it's not up to some religion to get me to heaven. And let me tell you something tonight. Jesus loved you enough and he loved me enough to where he went to the cross for you. He died for you. And I'm telling you, what a blessing. It's enough. He's enough. He is all I need in salvation. I, 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 I follow the Lord in baptism. I come to church. I try to live a life that's pleasing to the Lord. But as far as salvation goes, man, Jesus is all I need. He's all you need. Uh, you know, I thought about this. I, I use this illustration, and I'll just give it to you quickly. But uh, a, a preacher uh, years ago, it was, when, it was when Adrian Rogers was pastoring in Florida, Ralph, back in the old days, and uh, but he had a, a scientist from NASA that had come to talk to him, and basically his marriage was in trouble, and, and uh, his wife said, if, you don't, if we don't get counseling, if you don't go talk to the preacher, she said, it's done. He didn't want it to be done, he went and talked to the preacher. And he went and talked to the preacher, and he said, said, uh, he said to Brother Rogers, he said, uh, you know, he said, well, I'm an atheist, but I'll listen to what you've got to say. He said, you're an atheist. And, you know, atheist, you know, it means no God. 
And it's a declaration. There is no God. You're saying that uh, declaratively. And uh, then Adrian Rogers just simply asked him a little question. It's a question I like to ask people too, but it's pretty interesting. I'm drawing a big circle on the back of this piece of paper. And he says to that man, he said, if, with, if this circle there was everything there is to know of all time, in all of the universe, this circle represents all there is to know. Now, if you had to color in this circle what you know of all there is to know in the universe, uh, how much would you color in, so to speak? You know, how much would you color in, by the way? How much would you circle, honestly? I mean, you know, and, and, and it's, it's, it's interesting when people try to uh, prove negatives. You know, it's like a tricky thing, honestly. This is stuff for courtroom, proving negatives. It's like somebody saying, there is no way that there's a purple rock with yellow dots on any planet anywhere in the universe. Okay? Um, bottom line is, to say and declare that there's no God, I mean, is it possible that maybe somewhere in this that you don't know that there could be God? An honest person would have to say, you know what, that's possible. So, okay, the, the guy admitted, he's like, well, he said, okay, he said, said, maybe I can't declare, because here's the interesting thing about knowing that too, in order to know that, you would have to be God yourself, because you'd have to have all knowledge of the universe and everything there is. But the man was smart enough to admit and say, well, maybe I'm not an atheist. And he says, then Dr. Rogers says, well, perhaps you're an agnostic. That, mainly, that means that you believe that perhaps there is a God, but you're not sure if if there is a God, if we can know that God, or if that God can be known. Because agnostic, gnostic is to know, and that's what they were dealing with in Colossians. The, uh, the prefix a on there, agnostic, is no knowledge. So I just don't believe there's, no, there's knowledge of this. And he says, yeah, yeah, he said, he, said, he said, I'm an agnostic then. I'm not an atheist and I'm an agnostic. And he says, okay, what kind of agnostic are you? Are you an honest agnostic? Or are you a dishonest agnostic? And he's like, well, I'd like to think I'm an honest agnostic. What do you mean by that? He's like, well, here's what I mean. You're saying you don't know if there's a God. You're saying you don't know if there is a God, if you can know this God. Would you be willing to find out? Would you be willing to unbiasedly look at the facts? And, of course, this, the scientists had to say, well, yeah, I mean, I, of course I'll do that. Well, let me tell you what happens to people that do that, honestly. People that want to live like the devil, not people that have been hurt by, by religion and therefore hate God and decide not to believe in Him. Isn't it interesting how people hate God they don't believe in? Get mad about a God they don't believe in? That says it don't even exist, but they're mad at Him? But not because of that, and not just not, not like uh, Huxley and Darwin and so many of these other ones that literally uh, many of them admitted that I'd hate to admit that there was a God because then I might have to live right. And I don't want to do that. I don't want to live by a moral standard. Um, long story short, this man, like many that study honestly, ended up getting saved by the grace of God and become a Christian. And that's what will happen to you too. But I'm just trying to here to tell you today, that salvation is in Jesus Christ and sanctification is in Jesus Christ. I'll just tell you this real quickly. Spiritual growth in Christ, which is sanctification, is not by addition but by nutrition. I'll tell you more about that next time. 
But Jesus Christ is enough. He's all I need for salvation. He's all I need for sanctification. He's all I need for service. He's all I need for satisfaction. I didn't get to give you all that tonight, but I'm just telling you today, I, 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 I like to try to brag on Him. Man, He's all I need, and He's all you need. But here's the thing about it. Get in the Word of God. You can't, don't, don't just follow everything that comes along that sounds good. Study stuff. By the way, who does that include? Me. I would be embarrassed if I found out that anybody here was going out and telling people, well, preacher says it, that's therefore I believe it. Oh, I'd hate that. Because I don't want you believing this, because I don't, I don't want you believing a word I said tonight because I said it. Folks, you have the Holy Spirit on the inside. You've got the unction, the Bible says in 1 John. You've got the Word of God. You go study it. Uh, you, you call me out, Ralph. If I talk about a tree standing upright and it's talking about putting an idol up and I'm talking about it in a positive way, you come and say, hey, what's, what was the deal with that? I mean, question me, amen? Because I know the truth will stand. And I don't have all the answers. What I'm telling you is I have confidence. Don't take what I say because I say it or anybody else for that matter. Get in the Word of God. Check it for yourself. Double check it for yourself. Learn it for yourself. Know Christ. Make sure that you're following the true Christ. Because again, you're going to run into it. Jesus, He's the answer to all the false doctrine. He's the answer to unholy living. But He's also the excuse for false doctrine. He's also the excuse for unholy living oftentimes. Or He's the excuse for legalistic living. So we just have to know who the, who the Jesus of the Bible is based on the Word of God, and it'll help us, amen? But He's all that we need. Let's all stand, please, and... We'll be dis dismissed in just a moment. I, I appreciate your patience so much tonight. Lord, thank you, dear Lord, that you're...